This morning we will begin a new series of messages that I've given the title, What's Next? I believe that in our day and time when people begin to look around and see what's taking place, the thought that comes to their mind is, what's next? I mean, they look at the economic situation, not only in our nation, but around the world, and they have to be thinking to themselves, if this can happen, what's next? They look at the meanness of our society and how it just continually gets worse. And they look at the crime rates as they gradually increase all around our nation. And people have to be thinking, if this is happening, what's next? What's next? I believe that people who lived 20 years ago when they would read through Scripture and they would come to prophetic passages would look at those passages and certainly believe that they were true because it was in God's Word and yet not see how it could possibly evolve into what God is saying it will. But now in our day and time we read through those same passages of Scripture and we can see very clearly now how we could have a one world economic system. We see very clearly how we could have a one world currency, how we could have a one world government. We see how all of these things could be coming into place and we begin to think to ourselves, what's next? I mean, what's coming next? I mean, if this, then what else? For the next five weeks, including this one, I want to carry us through a short series of messages on that very topic. I want us to look into Scripture, and I want you to know I'm not going to sensationalize it. I'm not going to try to bring out any type of hidden codes that are numerical numbers system throughout the Scripture. I'm not going to try to reveal any new revelation from God. I'm not going to bring out fictional characters or events to make this all come together. I'm just going to lay out for us what we've probably heard many times before, and that is the Word of God concerning the future prophetic timeline of Jesus Christ. This morning I want us to begin with a sermon that I've given the title Up, Up and Away. Up, Up and Away, dealing with the rapture of the church. If you've made your way to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, what we'll do is read verse 13. I'll make some comments there in that verse and then we'll continue on through the remaining part of the passage down through verse 18. Verse 13 says this, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, he says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now let me stop for just a second, because it's important for us to realize what's happening here. Jesus Christ had come to the earth, he had died on the cross of Calvary for the sinfulness of mankind, he had been placed in a borrowed tomb, and three days later God raised him back to life again. After a certain period of time being seen and, and touched and, and, and experienced by his followers, Jesus was then taken back up in the clouds into heaven. The angels stood at the ground talking to the disciples and they said, this same Jesus that you see now going away is going to come back in like manner in the clouds that you will see him the rapture of the church the problem for a lot of the Christians in that early time frame was that they were looking at what was happening they were serving God with all of their hearts they were working to expand the kingdom of God and they were so involved and yet some of those believers began to die when Paul talks about falling asleep in this passage with believers, he's talking about their death. Because for a believer, we know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So at death, it's kind of like falling asleep. The body stays here, but the soul and spirit goes to be with Jesus Christ. 
And Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning these believers who have fallen asleep or who have died. Because a lot of people were so afraid. They had lost all hope. They thought, well, here they are serving God. They've worked to advance the kingdom of God, and now they've died. Is it all for nothing? I mean, is it just wasted? And Paul said, I don't want you to sorrow, the end of the verse, as others who have no hope. In other words, there are people who have no hope. Those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if they die in that condition, or if they have loved ones who die in that condition, there is no hope of seeing them again. But he said, you have hope. You have hope. And here it is, as we begin now, 14 through 18. He said, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so will God bring with him those who sleep in Jesus for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means proceed those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Paul added this little statement to the end. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. As you look through the Word of God and you begin to read about the subject of the rapture of the church, you will not find the word rapture used. It's simply an illustration of what's being presented in scriptures. But it's very clear from what we read, not only in this passage but in many others, that there's coming a time when God is going to tell His Son, Jesus, Son, it's time. Go get my children. And the Bible tells us that at that point, Jesus is going to step out in the clouds and He's going to call the believers in Christ up to be with Him forever. Now there's something that would be beneficial for us to understand for our study here. And that is that we as a church believe that the rapture will take place next. The next major event in God's prophetic timeline is the rapture of the church, followed by the seven-year tribulation period. But it's good for us to also know that there are other people who are good Christians. They, they I believe, are, are wrong in this particular setting, but they believe differently. They believe that the tribulation period will start, and halfway through, the rapture of the church will occur, and then the rest of the tribulation. There are others who believe the tribulation period will go for seven years. At the end of the tribulation period, Jesus Christ will become. The church will be raptured out and will return with him to the earth to fight the battle of Armageddon. There are those who believe differently from us, but for the course of our study, please understand that we believe that the rapture comes tribulation period follows followed by the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth and so we're gonna follow our study as a result of that understanding so the rapture will occur the Bible tells us that there is nothing that will prevent the rapture from occurring if we read through scripture and we read through the different prophecies that are given into us in the Word of God we understand that there is nothing else that must be done before the rapture of the church can occur now that's very exciting because we know that at any moment God could tell his son go get him and he comes and we're out of this mess that's exciting it's also a little bit worrisome. It's a little bit concerning because we all have friends and loved ones that we're not really sure 
if that happens, what will, what will happen to them? So through the course of this study, I, I'm praying that God will do several things for us. Number one, He will enlighten us in these five areas, these five main points. We're not going to go into a lot of detail. We're just going to hit the five big factors that will follow on God's prophetic timeline. And I pray that God will enlighten us here and that God will also give us a sense of urgency so that we get into the Word of God ourselves and we begin to study and look for answers to other questions we might have. And I pray that through the process of this, God is going to strengthen us as a church. He's going to strengthen us as individual believers. That God is going to give us a maturity as a result of searching and studying the Word of God. And I believe and am praying that God will also, through the course of this process, allow us to see our world in a little different light. Allow us to see the things that are going to be taking place very soon, I believe. And allow us to catch a glimpse of how important it is that we share Jesus Christ with other people. How important it is that we be in prayer for other people. How important it is that we invite them to a place that they will hear of Jesus Christ. And I'm praying that God will do all of this for us through the process. And then also bring people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, if God does all of this for us, I'm just going to be elated. I'm, I'm going to be so excited. And I expect Him to do just that. So the rapture then could occur at any moment. So what then will take place when the rapture occurs? Now I want you to know we're going to be discussing some things that seem to be so broad and so vast that it, it's going to take years for it all to be accomplished. But please understand, the Bible says that it will, will occur in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Before someone can snap, all of this is going to be done. We're going to be talking now about all of these events and how they're just, boom, they're going to occur. The Bible tells us that the time or the hour, no one knows. Jesus said to his disciples, I don't even know. That's in the hands of the Father. But the time is going to come then when God says, the time has come. The time has been fulfilled. Everything I've wanted to get accomplished has been accomplished. The last person has been brought into the family of God. Jesus, it's time. I want you to go get my children. The Bible tells us at that point that Jesus is going to step out into the clouds and he's going to scream. <laughs> Please notice that on this great day, there are going to be great sounds in heaven. Great sounds in heaven, point number one. The Bible tells us in verse 16, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Now one thing we need to understand, first of all, about the shout. That this is not a shout of agony. It's not a shout of fear. It's not a shout of discouragement. But this is a shout of victory. If you've been to a ball game when at the last moment the home team scores and, and brings the game to finality and they win, you've heard the shout of victory. But can I tell you, in my opinion, that shout will not compare to the shout that we will hear on the day when Jesus Christ steps into the clouds. I believe with all that's within me, this is such an exciting time for Jesus Christ, something that he's been waiting for, something that he's worked for so diligently. You remember one other time when he cried, he was on the cross of Calvary, he looked up to heaven and he said, it is finished, it is done. 
Everything I've come to complete on this earth for man's redemption has now been accomplished. I've come. I've done it all. And Jesus now is sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting for the time when God says, Son, it's time. Everything's been done. Go get them. And I believe Jesus is going to be so excited. The anticipation is building now. And he's going to step out on the clouds and he's going to scream, Come! Come! The Bible tells us that every believer will hear the voice of Jesus Christ, whether dead or alive, and they will be resurrected to meet the Lord in the air, and we will forever be with our blessed Savior, Jesus Christ. What a glorious event that will be. The Bible tells us that there will be a great shout on this great day. But I want you to know that not only will there be a great shout, but the great shout will be followed by the voice of the archangel. The voice of the archangel will be there. And you say, why would he be an important part in this? And I don't really think that there's a specific role that he's playing, but I think that he's playing into what the excitement that Jesus Christ is feeling. Because he's been there serving God. He's been serving Christ. He's been working to protect us on behalf of God. And all of these great things are taking place. And when Jesus Christ steps out and gives the shout of victory, I believe the archangel will not be able to contain himself. And he's going to scream, yes! Yes, it's time. It's time. Everything we've worked for, everything we've strived for is now fulfilled. They're coming home. They're coming home. And I believe the shout of the archangel is going to be followed by something that we don't find in Scripture. And that is the host of heaven's army screaming out, yes, yes. The joy in heaven is going to be so incredible. The Bible tells us of one more great sound that will be heard on this great day, and that is the trumpet of God. The trumpet of God will sound to call the, the troops into formation, even as it was in Paul's day when the troops would run out of their tents to get in line. God is going to sound the trumpet, and the people of the earth and the people who are dead and believers in Jesus Christ are going to be raised to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be in formation ready to stand before our Savior. What a great day this is going to be. When Jesus comes and up, up, and away we go, will be great sounds in heaven. But I want you to see the second main thought, and that is not only will there be great sounds in heaven, but there will be the great Savior's appearance. The great Savior's appearance. Think about this with me for a second. Because it will be Jesus Christ himself that shows up. There will be no need for a substitute. There will be no stand-in. Our great Savior will come Himself. He told His disciples, He said, If I go away, I will come again. Not someone on my behalf, but I will personally come and take you to where I am. There you may be also. The angels, when they stood at the ground looking at the disciples after Jesus had been taken up into heaven in the clouds, said to the disciples, this same Jesus that you see going away will come again in like manner as you've seen him leave. He will come back. He personally, Jesus Christ, will come back to get you, your Lord and Savior. But it goes a little further than that because what we find is that Jesus Christ will once again be suspended between earth and heaven. You remember the first time he was suspended between earth and heaven? Was when he was on the cross. 
when He was shedding His blood, when He was paying the price of our sinfulness, when He was making a way for us to be taken in the rapture, Jesus Christ therefore paid the price, suspended between heaven and earth. But this time when He comes, suspended between heaven and earth in the clouds, there will be no death, but there will be eternal life with Jesus Christ. This will be the thought process. Jesus will return, not directly to the earth, but in the clouds, and Jesus will call his own to himself. Those that God has given to him will be ushered into the presence of our Savior, and there we will be forever. One final thought I want to talk about before we dismiss, and that is on this great day, there will be great sounds in heaven. There will be the appearance of our great Savior. But while this is taking place in heaven, I want you to also notice that there will be great events taking place on earth as well. You say, what in the world could be taking place that would be great to, to compare to what's going on in heaven? Well, listen to what he said. The end of verse 16 and verse 17, he said this, And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What's going to be taking place on earth that's so great? Well, first thing we see is that the dead in Christ are raised again. The dead in Christ, just as Jesus Christ came out of the grave, so on that day, when the voice of Jesus Christ is heard by believers everywhere, the believers in the grave are going to be snatched out to meet the Lord in the air. That's an incredible thought. I want you to think about it because it doesn't say every person that's dead will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. In fact, it's only those who are in Christ Jesus, those who are controlled, who are led by Jesus Christ, those who have experienced a relationship and a walk with God, those who have asked God to forgive their sins. Only those will experience this resurrection from the dead at that point. The others will remain in that state until the end of the millennial kingdom. The Bible tells us that not only will these man-made graves be disturbed, but also the graves wherever that person may be. For some that have been buried at sea, some that have died at sea, some that have been burnt to, to, to mere ashes, some that have been torn apart by, by explosions or animals, all of these, God knows where every one of those are. And God is waiting for the opportunity to call them up to himself. The Bible tells us the second thing that's going to happen on earth. Not only will the dead be raised, but also the living believers. Those of us who are still alive and remain until that time will be snatched up. The dead will rise first, then we will go up and meet them in the air, and we will see the Lord face to face. What an amazing thought that God would snatch us out of this wicked world. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The Bible gives us information that every believer will go. Every believer will hear. Every believer will respond. It doesn't matter if they've been saved 15 years, 20 years, 50 years, 70 years. It doesn't matter if they were saved a minute ago. Let's say that, that at 7 o'clock someone receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and at 7.01 the rapture takes place. Even though that individual who just received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior would not have an opportunity to be baptized, would not have an opportunity to read the Bible, would not have the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, would not have an opportunity to do good deeds, would not have an opportunity to tithe, would not have an opportunity to witness. Even though they do not have an opportunity to do that, they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and and they will be taken in the rapture. And why? 
Because the rapture is not about what I can do. Salvation is not about how good I can be. Salvation is not about what I can accomplish. Salvation is about the grace of God and that alone. One final thing I want to draw our attention to. And that is while these great events are taking place in the heavens and on earth, there's one final thing that's going to happen that I'm really looking forward to. I've got this problem with my knee. And it hurts. I can walk. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Here's the exciting part. When all of this takes place, the Bible says that these corruptible bodies are going to be transformed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, into something that is incorruptible. Now that's very important because Jesus told us while he was here on earth that flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, there's got to be a transformation taking place. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, says, Paul was writing again, he said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, we shall not all die, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him for we shall see Him as He is in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. When all of these other things are taking place in the heavens and on earth, we're going to be changed. These old corruptible bodies are going to be gone. The bodies that have been burned and destroyed at sea, the bodies that have been burned and destroyed in, in explosions are going to be changed. All of that corruption is going to be gone. The soul and spirit that's gone to be with Jesus is going to come back and be united with a, with a glorified body that's in the image of Jesus Christ. And we which are alive and remain, then will be caught up and our bodies will be changed into something that is incorruptible in the image of God's Son, Jesus Christ. And we will for Forever be with Jesus Christ in that glorified condition. Wow. Now here's the thought. The rapture is something that we can all look joyfully toward. And that is if we know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never experienced this life change. You've never come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you were to die right now, if the rapture were to occur right now, you would find yourself in a lot of trouble. You know what? God has given us the opportunity right now to know His Son, His Savior. God wants so desperately. He said, it's not my will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God desires for us to enter into a relationship, a walk with God, that will lead us not only through this world, and give us joy not only in this world, but will lead us into eternal life in the presence of Jesus Christ. Listen. The rapture only affects those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. You say, Tom, that's not me. Could I encourage you this morning to come to the Savior? We have encouragers who would love to take God's Word and show you exactly how that's done. We're not asking you to join anything or become part of anything. We're just simply asking you to come and know Jesus Christ doesn't cost you a penny to know Jesus Christ. The price that was required was paid by Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That's it. That's it. Well, you come to the Savior today. For the rest of us who would say, yes, I have a, a relationship with Christ. I started walking with God a long time ago, or maybe it was recently. Can I just ask you a question? Well, what about your family?
What about your friends? You know, as we see the end approaching, and we've got to understand it could be today, it could be years from now, but we certainly know that the end is much closer than it was. A time when God will turn and say, Son, it's time. I think it would do us well to be very concerned at this point about our friends and family. Now, do we really know? Do we really know what's going to happen to them? Do we really know if they have had a, a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ? You know, if not, I've I got to tell you, it's, it's past time that we get very concerned. Past time. For those of us in that situation, it's important that we get involved in the three-in-one experience. And we begin to pray. We begin to, to seek God's guidance and direction for these people. That we communicate with them as regularly as we possibly can, telling them about the love of the Savior. And that we invite them to a place like this where they will hear about Jesus Christ. There's a lot to be done. Little time to do it. We must be faithful. Up, up and away. On that great day, there will be great sounds in heaven. The great Savior's appearance will be seen by believers. There will be great events taking place here on earth. Are you ready?